This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chess. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chelsea, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm one of your hosts, Jackie, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Rahul. He's back. Yes, we've missed him. Rahul, how are you doing, my friend? I, I'm doing good today. If you would ask me before today, <laughs> I would have said something else, but uh, I feel good today. What a difference one match can make to Chelsea <laughs> fans in this day and age. And before you go further, Rahul, I just want to apologize to the listeners. I'm feeling a little under the weather, so I apologize for any stuffiness in my voice. But yeah, it has been a difference between, I don't, I don't want to say one game because we've struggled <laughs> for several games and one game has made us see the light a little bit more. But I don't know. Do you want to start with the Aston Villa game and maybe get that negativity out of the way and then jump into maybe a little more positivity later on in the podcast? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Let's uh, let's start with the negatives and come to the positives and end off on that note because God knows there's a lot of negativity amongst the, the Chelsea yeah. fan base. So, yeah, Villa over the weekend, Premier League game, I think uh, based on what had happened up until that point, we all expected a difficult game. We expected that Villa would come and you know try to try to uh, pre- prevent us from scoring and also try to hit us on the counter, which ultimately was was not maybe the way it went. But uh, here's the lineup: Rob Sanchez in goal, Malu Gusto, uh, Di Sassi, Thiago Silva, Colwell continuing at left back, Caicedo, Gallagher, Raheem Sterling, Enzo Fernandez, Mudrik, and Nicholas Jackson. Yeah, so Pochettino persists with the Colwell at left back for this particular game. And I think it's one of those where you, myself, a lot of people who are watching go, we like Levi Colwell, but I don't think he's a natural left back. And at some point, we've got three left backs on the bench or in the reserves. And you would imagine one of them would get in ahead of Levi Colwell. Obviously, it means that somebody would have to sit, whether that's a Colwell, Silva, or DeSassi to kind of accommodate not a back three in this case, as Pochettino calls it. But other than that, Rahul, a couple of interesting changes here. Obviously, we pay, play with Enzo a little more attacking. Maybe not his natural position to be a number 10, but we do know we've had some injury issues and some new players coming in that are still settling down. Uh, Nicholas Jackson, only striker. Of course, Broha was on the bench, which was good news as well for fans of wanting attacking football and wanting a striker there. Yeah, and and... I think at this point, Pochettino has been pretty clear that Kowal is going to be playing as that left back or that player that is on the left side of the defense. And uh, what he has been persistent with and and fans have criticized and rightly so, wrongly so, uh, is that Chowell has been playing that left wing, which wasn't the case in, in this game. Mudrik did start. Uh, which was, I believe, the right move because Villa were playing a higher line. Mudrik was has the pace, was uh, able to exploit it in some cases, and if not, was able to put in a ball or two behind uh, that defensive line, which was good to see. And ultimately, he comes off uh, due to other reasons, but I believe Mudrik had a decent game, and it's turning into maybe... As the season goes, he's he's come off the bench a couple of times. He's now picked up a start here. Obviously, when we come to the Brighton game in the Carabao Cup, he picks up another start. So we're starting to see that he is getting the game time that a lot of fans were asking for. Uh, and honestly, he is showing what we've been asking for him to show. Uh, and maybe that's why Pochettino was easing him back in. But we'll, we'll get to that. And yes, Nicholas Jackson up front. Uh, has come in for some criticism, of course, as our main striker and, and our option to score. Uh, but he is our only option at this point. You rightly said Broja is back, and, and we will talk about him. Uh, but overall, it's the lineup you'd expect, and enough to get at least a point against a Villa team. But ultimately, that's not how it goes. And to be honest, Rahul, I was pretty optimistic, and I think A lot of people make fun of me going, yeah, you you think you're going to beat Villa? I think they're a very well-oiled machine. They know what they're doing. Why do you think you can beat Villa? And I think the reason I gave you, at least maybe we didn't talk about it on the podcast, the reason I gave you is that at some point, something's got to click, right? I think even though we haven't been winning games, there have been spurts of very attractive football. And maybe I'm just optimistic, but the football has looked better than what we played 
under Frank Lampard and towards the end of Graham Potter's tenure as well. So I've seen the progression and I've seen that it looks good. I do question a few things, like we've talked about Colwell, obviously, and maybe Enzo playing a little higher in that attacking third. But I am seeing positive signs, and so therefore I was hoping we could go ahead and get the result. And and to be fair to us, Rahul, I think in that first half against Villa, we were pretty dominant. There were a lot of chances, and maybe that's something we need to talk about here in just a second. We seem to be creating chance after chance after chance. But for whatever reason, and I'm not going to pick on Jackson, but the attacking players and even our defenders, we don't seem to put the ball in the net. That's been the age-old problem for this club, not just under Pochettino, not under Potter, not just under Tuchel, Lampard. Uh, Basically, ever since Diego Costa left in that second season or third season, uh, first season under Conte, we've really just lacked a consistent goal scorer. And and it, of course, doesn't fully rely on that striker, but that is the the job of a striker, right? it's always nice to have goals from other areas of the of the the pitch and for the longest time i think i've been pretty vocal about the fact that when our defenders don't score we don't end up picking up points or wins um and that is a problem and i it's a problem that needs to get fixed jackson obviously is now that face of the attack or or the the chelsea uh striker position and he is still young. He is still raw. He's come in off of maybe half a season at Villarreal where he overperformed uh, in terms of his XG. And we've picked him up, as I said, come into our team, come into the best league in the world. And he's still got chances now. He's not converting them, but he's getting into the right positions. And, and that's the difference is in other teams, you get into the right positions, maybe you don't convert and you're like, all right, you know what? The next one I'll do it. But at Chelsea, when it's so critical that you converted because that's the difference between going one up and maybe picking up three points or ultimately losing the game by conceding one. The pressure mounts on you. So it's the age-old problem. Can we fix it? Can Pochettino fix it? That's just time will tell. Uh, but he really needs to fix it because ultimately that might be the downfall for him. Yeah, and as I watch him, Rahul, I think there are some things that he does that we have missed in strikers in the past is he will drop deep. He will link up. He has the ability to drag the ball on his own and kind of go forward. And I think you are right. We paid for maybe potential and you and I, and many other Chelsea fans probably got excited with preseason. And I still look back and I go, what a wonderful preseason. Why are we so off the mark now? And there's so many reasons we can talk about with formation changes, injuries, and obviously a league is a step up compared to preseason. That's just the plain honest truth. But you can see that we've bought somebody with a ton of potential that if things start to click, again, I go back to that, he needs to get that confidence, maybe that striker's edge of knowing when to shoot rather than taking that extra step or when to be in the right position rather than dragging himself back. I think the potential is looking good. And if if we can build on that, I do agree with you that he does need some support. And I'm hoping that with Broa coming back in, he will get that support where it's not all on his shoulders. However... It's the same problem again, right? Another young striker. He's only got a few goals under his belt with Southampton and and just a couple appearances with Chelsea. Are we then putting pressure on him as well? And so we should have gone out and gotten maybe a more senior striker or somebody that we could have put a little more pressure and they could have handled it. But you know what they say, pressure makes diamonds. And I'm hoping that of all the young players we've bought and putting so much pressure on them, we can harvest a couple of diamonds out of this. Yeah, and and... Again, it's easier for me to sit here after we've won a game and, and Jackson has scored to to be a little more calm and not go down the path that you've teased, which is why didn't we buy an experienced striker? Which is a fair question that a lot of fans have been asking and pointing towards the ownership and the club. But if you think about it, there's no guarantee that a, a more experienced striker comes in and scores the chances that Jackson has missed. Sure, based on history, we could say an experienced striker scores against Forrest, but we had an Alvaro Morata who came in and was a little more experienced than, than Nicholas Jackson and started off well, but then that went off a cliff and there goes the argument, right? Maybe we should have bought a more experienced striker. So um, it's, it's really just a game of, of taking your opportunities. And when you don't, these questions come up and, and then pressure builds, but we, I think we just have to be patient. If you, like we were saying with with Nicholas Jackson, he's making the right runs. He's connecting well, linking play. Maybe the aerial ability isn't there yet, but 
he's still young. And and when he scores today, and I know I'm jumping ahead, he kind of points towards the back of his shirt to be like Jackson, <laughs> like remember the name or, or you know who I am. And I'm sure he's reading and hearing some of the things that are being said about him and he's not liking it. But in the split second, when things are at a high speed, we've been on the pitch before, but nowhere near the level of the Premier no. League or, or the Carabao Cup or any of the other competitions we'll play in. Things sometimes just don't go your way. And and as a fan base, we've been asking for patience. It's not just patience with Nicholas Jackson. It's just patience in general. Um, because you said it. We've, there has been an improvement. We have seen things be better. But all of that kind of gets clouded or, or or covered up because we're not winning games and we're kind of looking at looking at it and saying we're still 14th. We've spent a billion pounds and there's a lot of noise around that that would yeah. go away when when you win games. And ultimately, I'm sure Pochettino is, is waiting for those games to kind of come through where we're picking up points and he's not having to answer questions about, well, have you spoken to the ownership? We'll have the ownership mm-hmm. back to you and all of those questions that come up. Right. So. Um, we're headed in the right direction, especially after today. But we've got to build on this because we were in the right direction after the Liverpool game and and didn't build on it. And and hold your thoughts for the next game. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. Coming back to the Villa game, we talked a lot about that first half. I want to talk about Raheem Sterling, Rahul, and discuss him for a little bit because he has been hot and cold. We praised him, I think, a couple of episodes ago because he was fantastic getting the goals that we needed. But then coming back into this game, Lots of chances, that seems to be the theme. Maybe poor decision-making in the final third again, whether it's just to take a shot or find the right cross, or maybe he gets the cross, but it's not his fault. It's on the teammate that's not scoring the goal, obviously. But we've said this time and time again, we're looking to some senior players. Obviously, he's one of the senior players, given that we've got such a young squad, to to carry that weight on their shoulders, almost take the pressure off some of these guys. And... While I didn't think he was bad in this game, I have to be very honest. I think I think we have to push him for a little bit more out of these games, right? You're setting me up here. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to be honest because, again, I don't want to say like he's a bad player and he's not pulling his weight, but we have to push him to get a little bit more out of him. Yeah, and, and he has to push himself. He has to look around and say, I am that senior player. I am the player that everyone looks up to in the squad. And uh, doing it against Luton is great, but... It's the games where things are tight and things are not going your way or chances have been missed where we need Raheem Sterling to step up. But I've always said he does require three, four, five opportunities before he gets that mm-hmm. one goal. And and in a team like Chelsea, you, you may get those three or four or five opportunities. But when you miss that one, kind of just builds on to everything that's yeah. happening around the club. But I, in his defense and... Again, maybe it's just me clouded by the win and defending uh, Raheem Sterling. But in his defense, when you play Chilwell on the other side of him, so Chilwell on the left wing, Raheem on the right, you're almost taking away that threat down the left. So basically defenders or teams know that the creativity is going to come down Raheem's side and they could double up on him. They could prevent him from maybe connecting with Jackson or with Gusto, who's making the overlap. And suddenly Raheem has to kind of push on and do more. And that's where he has to just really adapt to that situation. But I I do realize that it doesn't help when a defender is playing on the other side of you because it just puts more of the defensive team's uh, uh, attention on you as the right-sided winger who naturally is the attacker. So I'd really like to see Mudrik yeah, like we were saying earlier, Mudrik be that guy on the left side, but that really means Chowell should be playing behind him. But that's a, a different topic, and that's a topic we'll cover in the next game as well. But we go into that first half, Rahul. We go into halftime, not happy that we haven't scored the goals because there were chances, but happy that we're playing this free flowing attacking football. Villa did have chances, but for the most part, we've kept control of the game overall we had about 53 percent of the ball so we're, we're keeping control of the game and making sure we can do things second half starts off great and then unfortunately there's a red card for malagusto which i think was not malintent i'll say because i think the lad was no. just excited to go for the ball but goes over gets that onto the ankles and then from there you know it's going to be an uphill battle to now break down this team even even further what do you make of the tackle and what do you make of Malagusto's decision to kind of go like that? I, 
I don't blame him. The ball is there to be won. He gets the ball clearly. He's clearly going for the ball. He gets it. Now the follow through connects and yes, the studs are up and it's high. But honestly, a yellow card for me, and maybe I'm biased. I've got my blue yeah. blue sunglasses, blue tinted glasses on. A yellow card for me seems fair there where it's like, okay, you did win the ball, but you were rash. Here's a yellow card. Don't let that happen again, where a red card just not only kills that moment, but also kills us on the other side where now Mudrik is going off. And and maybe that's a question we go on to next is, should Mudrik have gone off instead of maybe someone else? Um, but no, I, I, I don't blame Gusto. I think the ball is there to be won. He wins it. It's just unfortunate that he catches the the Villa player, who, by the way, goes down like he's been shot. Gusto gets sent off. He's back up. I think it was uh, Lucas Digne. Um, Might be. And continues playing the rest of the game. And I'm like, of course. <laughs> um, so that's where I'm like, common sense needs to needs to come through. Sure, there are laws and, 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 yep. and rules written, but common sense should come through where Gusto nowhere is trying to hurt him. Uh, but we just have to deal with it. Yeah, and there are two pieces to that, right? I think at first the referee had given a yellow card, looks at it on a replay and then says, yeah, it is a red and I'm going to send you off. And so looking to make sure that there's some consistency in the game. And I'm, I'm building this up because we're going to talk about that in the next game here. But also at the same time, I think this is going to come with experience for Gusto. It might be the theme again or one of the many themes we've talked about, but young squad, lack of experience. And lack of experience doesn't mean these guys don't know how to play football. That's not what I mean by that. But it's that split second to make the right decision of, should I go in for a tackle? Should I have a shot here? Should I make a cross here? Should I drop back here? Should I play offside? Whatever the the decision-making is, it comes with playing enough games and you'll kind of understand as you go through that. So hopefully with experience, we kind of see less and less of these maybe mistakes or these issues that are creeping up to it. But I say experience on the flip side, we concede a goal and a lot of Chelsea fans, including the ones I was watching with, point fingers at the most experienced man on the pitch, and that's Thiago Silva. They say it's an issue, it's a problem, his pace is slowing us down, <laughs> he's making these big mistakes. I don't know if I saw it that way, Rahul, but I'll give you a chance to answer first. I mean, it was a mistake. He's he's caught off, he's now left um, the Villa attack going up against our defenders, and it is a mistake, but again, maybe I'm biased, but I... I find it difficult to just call Thiago Silva out for how many yeah. times he's saved us and been been that guy that has prevented goals and honestly was one of the main reasons we won the Champions League that year mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years ago. So, yes, that was all in the past and he should be doing better. But, again, all of these questions or comments don't come up if we have done the business on the other end. True. Um, but, yes, we if, if we're being critical, yes, Thiago Silva should be doing better. Uh, but... You just know when we get the red card, it's nil-nil. It's at home. Ollie Watkins hasn't scored yet this season. He is going to get a chance, and it is going to go in the back of the net, and it did. Yeah, listen, well taken from Ollie Watkins, but sticking with Thiago Silva, Rahul, I'm in the same boat as you, I think. He's allowed to make mistakes, first of all. I think he's played enough games for us where he's been so consistent that a couple mistakes can happen every now and then. The reason I kind of defend him or I look at it as what are we really getting upset about is we've had a lot of change this season. And if Thiago Silva was making the mistake every single game, and I, and I hate to do this, but I compare it to what we were struggling with with Kukurea when he had come in and was going through a tough patch where anytime he came on, he would miss a header. It was a poor tackle. He would give away the ball. Not just one mistake in like a game. It'd be four, five, six mistakes in a game for three, four, five games in a row, and you go, yeah, this gentleman cannot play right now because he's not in the right frame of mind. Silva's played every game in the Premier League for us, and and really, I think this is the first major mistake that's come up. And so I think I'm willing to cut him some slack here. I don't want to say throw him out of the squad just yet till we figure out if he really has lost his, his footing in this team and can't keep up. But I don't see that coming anytime soon. So I'll defend him a little bit. But un- unfortunately, 1-0, we do a lot, Rahul, to try and come back, but... We can't crawl out of this one. We we can, and honestly, even at being one down, being ten, being down to ten, we had some great chances that great come through chances. with Chilwell, yeah. that come through with Disasi, and that ball from Cole Palmer to Chilwell from the outside of his boot across 
um, the the pitch and Chilwell just latches onto it and it has all of Stanford Bridge to run into and, and score. <laughs> um, just again, unfortunate, it becomes 1-1 and it's a different game. Uh, so yeah, it just wasn't to be, it wasn't our day. And for those that, that called Ch- uh, Tiago Silva out and want him maybe dropped, that doesn't make sense to me because we, we're not crying out for experience. We're saying we don't have experience in this squad, but you want to take out one of the most experienced players, right? So it's it's just, uh, and I'm, the more I'm like kind of, you know, looking at things and hearing our, our fans and other, uh, people online, I'm like, honestly, people are just desperate to get a result. It's just whatever it takes, they want to get it done. And, and that's fair, but let the logic come through as well. It's really what it comes down to is, we had a really horrible season last year and it was difficult to be a Chelsea fan and that's something we have to all acknowledge. But we had a fantastic preseason, as I alluded to, and we played some lovely football, scored a lot of goals. We were super excited with the things we saw. We started well against Liverpool because we didn't expect maybe the draw and the way it went there, but we haven't been able to go from strength to strength. And so maybe it's like PTSD from last season and you're relieving this negativity of what we just came out of. And so you're looking for a scapegoat, right? I think this season we've heard people call for the owners to stop interfering. I've been one of them. We've heard as early as it is and as crazy as it is, we've heard for Poch to be fired, which is is absolutely ridiculous. People have pointed the finger at Jackson, not good enough. People have pointed Mudrik, 80 million can score. And now naturally they turn their frustrations to Thiago Silva, who's been one of the most favorite Chelsea players for a lot of the fans out there. So I think Maybe Chelsea fans take a deep breath. This is a project. We ha- we all got excited in preseason. We all thought it was going to be a big, big season for us. But I think it's going to need a couple of seasons under the belt with the team playing together. Maybe not so many transfers in the same window so we can kind of gel as a team. And then we can really evaluate the ownership, the manager, the players, and, and even Thiago Silva. Who knows if he will be here next season as he's going through his age and not, not captain this year. Yeah, time again. Time is is essential here, but what will help give that time and for fans to be patient is picking up the results along the way. Now, I'm not saying we have to win every single game or we we have to draw every single game, but in games like the Bournemouth game where it ends nil nil, could we have won it one nil? And it's a different feeling. You lose the Villa game. All right, well, we at least won the week before, but you go from. We beat Luton Town, then we lost to Forest, then we lost Drew at Bournemouth, then we lost to Villa, and that feeling kind of comes back in, like you're mentioning from last season. But I 100% agree with you. It is going to take time. It's going to take time for the young players. It's going to take time for Pochettino. It's going to take time for our owners. It's going to take time for our sporting directors. And that's what us fans need to realize and and not get carried away. Oh, we won against Brighton today, which I know we're going to get into. Chelsea are back, and we're going to win the next few games you you just don't know and 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 that's what i'd like to point out is in that frank lampard first season where mason mount reese james tammy abraham tamori were coming through we saw this kind of up and down where we would pick up a great result come back and lose the next game and then pick up a great result and maybe draw the next game and i don't know why that logic isn't applying here because we have even a younger squad now um so let's just be mindful of that but sure, we can get carried away in the moment, like maybe I will when we make our predictions for Fulham. Uh, yeah. But ultimately, let's move on to Brighton. Yeah, and just before we do that, that loss puts us in the 14th position of the Premier That's, League table. Moving on to the Carabao with, Cup, With man. only five points, so, so we'll move on to the Carabao <laughs> Cup. Rahul is ready to change change pace here. Rahul, why don't you run us through the Carabao Cup? Obviously, we played today. It is Wednesday evening. You and I are recording this. Uh, we didn't get a chance to watch the game as closely we would like as we were both working, but we have had since had a chance to look at the highlights a couple of times and understand how the game played out. But why don't you run us through the starting 11 because there were quite a few changes. And, and maybe that's the key is we don't have to watch. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, but no, Rob Sanchez in goal. Mark Kukurea returns as a right back, uh, and you can hear the excitement or maybe the shock in my voice. Um, Disasi, Colwell, and Ben Chowell, Jackie. Now, even more surprising that Ben Chowell back in his uh, natural usual, usual uh, natural position. Leslie, uh, Ugo Chukwu, Moises Caicedo in midfield. Ian Matson on the right as a winger. Cole Palmer as the number 10. Mudrik starting again. And Nicholas Jackson once again. Yeah, so first of all, a lot of changes in the starting 11. And, and naturally so. I think the 
Carabao Cup is a way for managers to play players who are not necessarily the first choice in the Premier League, but you get a chance to have a good look at them and have them get an opportunity to play some competitive football. And make no mistake, Brighton put a very competitive team out there as well, so we knew it was going to be a challenge. But also what I'm looking at, Rahul, is the balance of the team. It's a 4-2-3-1, a change from what we've been seeing, natural left back. In Kukurea's case, not a natural right back, but a natural fallback, I should say, because we don't have a right back that can go into that position right now. Two defensive-ish minded players in Uguchuku and Caicedo almost keeping the balance there. And then you allow Palmer, Matson, Mudrick, and Jackson to do the business up top. So I believe this should be the formation we stick with for the rest of the season. How he shoehorns the right players in, because you do leave some key guys on the bench. It is what it is. It's the it's the manager's headache, but I do believe this should be the formation he sticks with going forward. And and he'll tell you that is the formation he's been playing. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but no, I and I, I think we've said it for how long? Play the natural play players in their natural position. Now, of course, with the suspension for Gusto and Reese James being out, you have to tweak things. Uh, but just seeing a left back in the left back position now, I know Ben Joel picked up uh, an injury today, uh, so that almost kind of maybe helps Pochettino with what he's doing uh, with Levi Colwell. But um, no, look, I think this was a decent lineup. You give players the run out that they need in terms of Caicedo, Kukurea, who's barely featured this season, uh, Ugochukwu, who played against Bournemouth but then didn't play, Ian Matson, Cole Palmer. So it was good to see some of these guys that maybe do need the minutes and then giving Mudrik another start and Jackson giving him the opportunity to get in amongst the goals uh, even though he is suspended for the next league game, just just helps. And I thought it was a good lineup. You said Brighton put out a strong lineup. They they did. And of course, they had some changes. But look at the names in there: Mitoma, Ansu Fati, uh, Jao Pedro, Tariq Lamte, Estupian. Those are decent names that when they come up against a Chelsea team that are struggling and and maybe don't have the right confidence, can cause issues. So um, no walk in the park, but a decent start from us and something for us to build upon. Yeah, indeed. And I think, you know, it's one of those games where it's almost like a clean slate. You're not looking at the results of the Premier League. You're not worried about that. It's a new competition, something different to look at. Gives everybody the opportunity to kind of figure out if they can put in a claim for a Premier League run, which is the beauty of having some of these, I hate to say younger players because everybody's young in our squad, but some (laughs) of these maybe second string players, maybe that's a fair word that, the Cole Palmers and the Matsons and the guys that are looking to kind of squeeze the team for first-team football can, can make a difference. Rahul, I want to talk a, a few minutes here about the personnel. I'm, I was talking about Matson and Palmer, right? And I want to talk about maybe Enzo and Raheem. And we've talked a little bit about Raheem, and we're not criticizing him, but Enzo maybe we'll focus on for a second. Do you believe that with Palmer versus Enzo and this more attacking front, this number 10 role, should I say, there's a little more balance to the team. I, I mentioned earlier the two defensive players in Uguchuku and Caicedo, keeping the balance, protecting the back for, obviously, Ben Chilwell and Kukurea naturally can bomb forward, contributing to the attack as well. Do you th- And I hate to ask it this way, but do you think like having Enzo sit out the game was almost finding the balance of this team? Yeah, and I don't think that was the thinking behind it, but I think it ended up being that Cole Palmer was a little more comfortable in that number 10 position, with a little more able to influence the game and it's weird for me to say that because Enzo can influence a game can control a game uh, but it just seems like when he plays in that number 10 position it just doesn't work out for him and and maybe he needs he needs a little more room and so he needs to be a little bit deeper where yeah. he can make those runs or carry the ball uh, and Cole Palmer is a very smart guy we've seen it again in that game that I was mentioning against Villa where he put in a couple of balls they just ended up falling to the wrong person or or the person that couldn't finish but he has the ability to find players he has the vision he kind of has the awareness to say I'm playing the number 10 but I'm going to be playing in between the lines of the midfield and the defense and and we're seeing that even with the assist today where he puts it for Nicholas Jackson through the legs I don't know. I mean, it's tough for me to say Enzo can do that or can't do that. He certainly can. But would he have done that? Would he have t- maybe taken an extra touch? That's where I'm like, Cole Palmer just seems a little more fluid with his movement. And that's what we need in that position. Yeah, I like the word you chose there, fluid, because I think Enzo thrives with a little more time to think from deep. 
Maybe he can put in that lovely long-range pass that we know him for, or he can thread a ball from deep to the striker, which he's done on several occasions to make that work. But the word you choose for Palmer fluid is good because I think in that number 10 role, you're usually getting squeezed by not only the defenders, but also the midfielders who are coming back to help. And so it's a very almost tight pocket to kind of try and figure out what you're going to do. And not saying Enzo cannot do it, right? But he needs a little bit of space, a little bit of time to make that pass. But I think maybe Palmer is a little better at dribbling or is a little better at being nimble with his body movement and can squeeze through the the tight spaces. And maybe that's what we would see from a Carney or from an Nkunku, that style of player that likes playing in those little tight spaces and can do a little trick or a little flick and get out of it. Versus I think if you stick with this formation and you told me, Poch will tell me this is the formation he's playing, it's down to the personnel in the right play, in the right positions. And so again, I, I come back to having fallbacks in the fallback position. But if you're playing two defensive-minded players in Uguchuku and Caicedo, maybe you leave one off for, for one of the games and you put Enzo in that natural position, which we did see him thrive in in a difficult season last year where he was coming from deep and he instantly stood out as a fantastic player because from deep he could find a ball and he could make a cross, he could do something. But I look at that Aston Villa game and I almost felt like we lost his presence with him kind of floating, moving out to the right wing. And I was like, that's not the Enzo we're used to who can really do some some damage from midfield. And so... I was pleased to see Palmer in this role and Rahul in that first half. He was very, very active, doing a lot of different things. I want to talk about Mudrik in this game, not just in the first half, but for the 60-odd minutes that he did play. I found that he has a good relationship with these nimble-style players, obviously Jackson being one of them, where they're all fluid, they're all moving together, finding little pockets of space. But Mudrik seemed to stand out and, and find his feet in this game. And I'm not getting excited, but... I have to give him a little bit of praise because I did see that he's got some confidence in this particular game. It, it His confidence is certainly growing, not only in this game, but even in the last game against Villa where he puts that ball in behind for yeah. um, Nicholas Jackson or he takes on the, the right back to say, I'm going to run at you. Uh, and that's what we've been asking for. Now, he needs that space. He needs teams that play that high line. But then he comes up against Brighton today who certainly are playing a, a, a high-ish line. And does well. I was impressed with him. He looked confident. You could see that every time he got the ball, he wanted to make something happen. He wanted to be that number 10 uh, and live up to that number 10 shirt that he's wearing. And you heard Pochettino in the build-up to it to say, I think it was something to do with the crossbar challenge that him and Mudrik do in training. And Mudrik was not able to win, but then he eventually kind of tied. And that's where Pochettino was like, "I, I see the confidence coming back. And... I'm sure that's not the only measure for Pochettino, uh, but he's seeing that Mudrik is coming back to life uh, because maybe that that move and and everything going on with his home country and maybe he didn't want to go to Arsenal and he ended up in, in West London and everything that went down with Chelsea. He's kind of now finding his feet. And I don't want to get carried away, but I want to continue seeing him in this lineup. I want to see him start. I want to see him go from that 60, 65 minute to maybe making it to 70, 75, 80, where he's consistent, consistently getting game time. And the beauty of it is, apart from the Carabao Cup, which happens maybe once a month now, we're going week to week. And so there's no reason for Mudrik to not play 80, 85, even maybe a full game week in, week out. Uh, and put that pressure on Pochettino to say, continue playing me because I will be that difference maker for you. You know, speaking of pressure, Rahul, you've you've always seen, and we've talked about young players and young players, but young players can come in and start off really well in their career when they're young. And unfortunately, they're played and there's a lot of pressure on their shoulders. And towards the middle of their career, they kind of taper off where they're not able to live up to expectations. And I almost wonder with Mudrik, you know, 80, 90, 100 million, 20, 21 years old, lots of pressure to be the next big thing for Ukraine, to be flamboyant, to do this, do that. I almost wonder between Chelsea's managers who, the ones that have seen him, obviously, in Potter, Lampard, and now Pochettino, and Pochettino in particular, I wonder almost if they're protecting him, where you've done the business for 50, 60 minutes. You've done good business in 50, 60 minutes. Let's take him off and let him almost come off with a high, right? He's coming off and the Stamford Bridge was cheering him and clapping him, and he, he could feel that positivity, but you take him off where he's not going to get too excited or make a mistake. And I'm not saying he would do that, but you're taking him almost at the point where it's like, 
He's high on confidence. He's done everything right. Let's bring him off, protect him, let him rest, let him feel the moment, let him get used to the fact that he had a good performance and this is what we expect. And the next five, six, seven games, if he keeps this up, he's going to be playing 90 minutes every single time. Again, I'm not getting excited. I'm just giving my opinion on how I see Pochettino can can manage a younger player like this, which is take them off, let them kind of experience their situation and ultimately kind of go, go from there. And the one more thing I'll say about him before we move on is that I like that he tracks back. I like that he puts in a tackle. He's not afraid to do the dirty work with a lot of young flair players. You know, they just want to go score a goal or get an assist. But he's running back and doing the dirty work that we expect from the modern day winger these days. Absolutely. And and it has he has to build up uh, upon this. And I, I do get a feeling that Pochettino is working with him in the background and and building that confidence, not just by giving him game time, but also in training. And uh, it almost seems like Mudrik does need that arm around him yeah. and need that kind of uh, love. Uh, and it seems like Pochettino is doing that. So long, long may it continue. But we've seen with a lot of other players in this league, when they have the pace, defenders tend to drop back. That gives them more, more, uh, you know, more space and, and ability to do things. And I think we've lacked that in our team for a while. So I'm looking forward to it. I hopefully I'm not jinxing it. Uh, but Mudrik, please continue doing what you're doing. Rahul, one player that may not receive love after this game is Rob Sanchez. <laughs> I think Pochettino was up in arms with a couple of decisions that Sanchez made, especially in that first half. And we're sticking to the first half performances here. He is a decent goalkeeper. He was dropped from Brighton as number one maybe because he couldn't play as much with his feet, which you is... Can, you can see why. <laughs> which is, is... It's very strange to say, right? Because he was brought in to bring competition to a Kepa who maybe is also not the best with his feet compared to some other goalkeepers that are around. He obviously becomes number one because Kepa moves on for a challenge in Madrid. In this particular game, with his feet in particular, he was very poor. His passes out from the back were not even close to a man in blue. And even with the one that was close to a man in blue, <laughs> there was like Brighton shirts all over that man before he starts blaming, in this case, Caicedo about not being able to take the pass. Ultimately, he makes up with it with decent saves throughout the game. I will say that that from a shot stop standpoint, he seems to be getting the business done. But any worries about Rob <laughs> Sanchez? Or is this is this just Pochettino giving him the love with an arm around the shoulder and saying, Son, you're not that great with your feet. Just kind of find a quick pass and don't be doing anything too fancy. See, this this is a perfect example of if we hadn't won the game, we would not be laughing or joking about not it at or all. even like all, taking yeah. this in a light way. But the fact that we won the game, we're kind of just like, well, you know. <laughs> but no, I it, it is concerning because it's not just the fact that Brighton were able to easily pick it off or or pressure us into a mistake with that Caicedo uh, incident that you mentioned. But other teams must have seen that, that Rob Sanchez is the number one. He's going to continue be uh, continue playing. And if we kind of pressure or press Chelsea because they want to build out of from the back, it's going to force Rob Sanchez to make a pass or, or do something where he's not comfortable. And that could lead to an error and, and create a goal for, for the opposition, which is what ended up happening with Mendy. So if you had told me Mendy played tonight, I would have been like, oh, yeah, that's right. Because uh, he made the <laughs> saves. He did redeem himself. He redeemed himself not just with the errors and making the save from these errors, but also generally just making other saves. Uh, but we need to get better with, with that playing out from the back if that's ultimately what we want to continue doing. And it doesn't have to go to the middle. Maybe we go wide. Maybe we look at other options where uh, we're not forcing it. But you've always said if if it's getting to a point where you don't have an option, just go long. Just just get it out. Let's reset. And maybe Jackson wins a header once in a while, which which I just said he's not going airily. But um, no, I we got lucky. We have to be we have to be honest. We got lucky because they don't score. But we need to rectify these issues before they become into goals. We really do, and and getting lucky maybe is an understatement. Rahul, I was just pulling up the stats, and like I said, we watched the highlights, but overall, we had nine shots to Brighton's 13, so doing decent, uh, but they are beating us with 61% of the ball. So even though it felt like we had a good performance and we were able to do a lot of stuff, Brighton were probably more possessive, more aggressive attacking team, but 
they pulled a Chelsea. They couldn't finish their chances today as much as as we have in the last few weeks. And I'm thankful for that because it goes back to what I said is something has to click for us every now and then and helps us kind of build off from there. And we'll talk about the goal scorer here in just a minute. But I want to go to Mark Kukurea, Rahul, a man that has taken a lot of criticism since he's joined Chelsea. And some of it rightly so. He's had some very poor performances and some wrongly so. He's been criticized for personal appearance and for, you know, his family and stuff like that, which isn't what we want to see. We should be criticizing what we see on the pitch. But today he was a dog. He was ready to fight. He was aggressive. He was coming up and down the pitch. I don't know if it was because it's Brighton and he wants to kind of, you know, show up to the old team and say, hey, I'm a good player, or that rests on the side that he's not played enough game where he's able to kind of get mentally back into it. And now he's trying to fight for a position I'm not sure it was, but I was happy to see Kukurea play today, and I thought he did a good job. The second coming of Aspilicueta, my left back <laughs> turning into a right back. <laughs> In reverse, right? Aspilicueta played left back for several yep. seasons, but I understand what you're saying. Um, no, look, it's it's been tough for him. It's been tough with the team because the team struggled, but individually as well, it's been a struggle for him. He's not been uh, the guy that we thought we had bought I think a lot of people, a lot of fans would have been happy for him to leave this summer. In fact, when United started looking into left backs, we were like, here, we have a great option for you. Um, and that's tough. It's been because when your own fans aren't willing to hold on to you or give you that chance, it, it must hurt. It must affect your confidence. And um, I think Pochettino's done the right thing. He's kind of kept him away, kind of kept him on the sidelines, kept him just out of the action and then now has been forced or maybe not forced, but didn't really have a choice today to play him. And he did well when you're coming up against a Mitoma, who's arguably one of the best wingers in the league. And I'm not saying he shut him out completely, but he did what he needed to do to prevent him from getting any opportunities or creating any opportunities. And this performance tonight, maybe man of the match kind of a performance is going to be a significant boost to his confidence where it's not just us saying it, but a whole lot of the other fan base saying it as well. And my only concern is you go from this and maybe you don't play the next game or you do end up playing the next game. Uh, you just have to continue in that form and you don't have to let this become a one kind of one one night event. Uh, because imagine having a Kukurea that we saw at Brighton come back and, and be that player for Chelsea Maybe he does come back as a left back because Ben Chilwell's injured now and, and we can put Colwell back into the center back position. So just another option for Pochettino. Of course, it's one game, but a great option if, if it comes through. Yeah, and I'm hopeful that Ben Chilwell's injury, I haven't heard the latest, it's not, not a significant one. Maybe it's something that's light and he may be back. But besides that, I'm glad that when Kukurea was signed, there was a lot of talk about him being able to play multiple positions. And you and I always wondered, he's not hes not really a centre-back. He really is a left-back or a left-wing back. And we shoehorned him into the back three. And he, he did what he was supposed to do. But we've now seen him in a centre-back position. We've seen him in left-back. We've seen him at left-wing back. And now at right-back. And so there is some truth to him being able to play multiple positions. And obviously, if he can step up from here, which step up means be consistent at the very least, I think we'll be pleased, especially with the injuries we're held with no right backs for the next couple of games. If Ben Chilwell is indeed injured, it means maybe Matson has to slot back then, Kukurea playing on the right back position, whatever that looks like. But please, for the latter, I think if he can just continue this way, more Chelsea fans will come on to the fact that we do have a player that's a utilitarian and can play multiple positions and help us there. But Rahul, that first half was done, nil-nil. Again, Brighton could have had a couple of chances and put the sword to us, but Sometimes you get luck on your side. We go into the second half. We're starting off well. We move to the man that could have potentially had a hat-trick on the night if things went the right way. And I don't just mean from scoring, maybe even from offside flags and no VAR and no consistency in the English game. <laughs> but Nicholas Jackson, he's been good. He's had his criticism. We've talked about his criticism in the last game. In this game, he finds a pocket of space. Cole Palmer finds a lovely pass to him. And I don't know if he just, the stars aligned or he had the presence of mind, but a neat little finish into the corner and not just him, not just me and you, every Chelsea fan had some relief as that goal goes in. <laughs> There's no offside, anything. And we're like, 
We've seen a goal, guys. We've seen a goal. Our, our goal of the month, Jackie. We finally <laughs> got one, and that's yes. the one that's going to make it, right? So, <laughs> no, look, it was it, – it just had to go right at some point for him, for us, because we've said we've been creating chances. We've been underperforming from our XG. In fact, I think we, at this point in the league, should have at least seven more goals than we do, which if you think about it, we would have won a couple more games than we have. So it just – ended up being in that moment when that ball hits the back of the net. It's not just us, but even the players. You see all the players come together, and Jackson's kind of trying to, you know, be like, I am that guy, which, great, yeah. please continue to do that if if, <laughs> if that's what that means. Um, but I do think when Palmer plays in the ball, he doesn't really have an option to be like, let me take a touch. Let me. He just has to hit it. And I think yep. that's what makes the difference is you don't have that, that time to think about it. You don't have the the goalkeeper kind of see what you're about to do because you've just hit it and it's a reaction from the the striker but and that leads to no reaction from the goalie and it's a goal and split second maybe maybe a few minutes later he latches onto another ball and hits it right at the goalie and I'm like I've seen the best and the worst of of him within the space of a few minutes so uh, you're right he could have had a hat trick because the offside goal which comes later was a goal for me I don't know I didn't see it as an offside but yeah, he could have had three, and imagine what that would have done, not just to you and me, but to him. To him, to the players and the team, to the staff, the confidence levels have been through the roof. And I haven't had a chance to really review the lines of that offside, but Rahul, the, the positive I take from that is we have scored a few goals this season that were offside. And I beg your pardon, we have not scored a few goals when we were in an offside position, and we still fluff the lines, or we still miss it. So... I take positivity from the fact that he was able to score that goal because even if it's offside, it means he's tuned into the game and he's trying to finish. And I'm hoping that others are watching and saying, don't worry about this offside flag or, or this VAR check. Put the ball in the net no matter what, because sometimes you get lucky and it's not called offside and you move on from there. But I have a little rant about the VAR and I alluded to that earlier is we are the best league in the world. And, and I know this is the Carabao Cup and it's outside the league, but it's all controlled by the English FA, right, at the end of the day. And so some consistency across the lines. And maybe it's surprising to hear that from me because I don't like VAR because I think it slows the game down. There's inconsistencies itself in VAR. But if you're going to put it in the league, at least standardize it across the board so that we can expect it in these other games and say, run it, show me the lines, show me the camera angles and say it was offside because it is a big difference, like I said, not to the result, but for the confidence of Nicholas Jackson and for the team. And and maybe we're nitpicking, but that would have been something nice to have today. And I would have loved to see him get a couple more goals because he did have a lot of chances. But one thing that worried me as well, Rahul, before we move off of Nicholas Jackson, he's, he did take a beating in this game to his wrist specifically. And I think that ultimately is what gets him to come off towards the end of the game because you could see he was feeling the pressure on that wrist. And I'm hoping it is a wrist injury, so you can play and continue from there. But I'm hoping it's something where it doesn't affect his confidence or maybe his physical state to, to continue scoring goals from here i think the fact that he scored twice tonight and gets one uh and i'm sure in his mind he's going to be like i scored twice uh, it almost reminds me of that jose Mourinho uh interview after we i think we lost in middlesbrough it was like four nil or something and he comes out and he was like only one goal counted <laughs> um i'm sure jackson's gonna be like i scored two i feel good he has a week off essentially now because he misses the the next league game, and I'm sure they'll work on his wrist and he will be back uh, stronger. And for him, I've been saying this for a few players now, they have to kick on and build on it. But for him, he absolutely needs, absolutely needs to build on it because uh, he misses Fulham. He will play against Burnley, hopefully. Uh, and then we come back from the international break, and it's it's a quite a tough run of fixtures where we do need a Nicholas Jackson in, in good form and feeling good. So... Um, yeah, we'll just we'll just continue to to hope for the best. And I want to talk a little bit about Cole Palmer, Rahul, but I know we'll cover him a little bit as we move towards the Fulham game. Uh, but your thoughts on him? He might have even been the man of the match if Jackson's not scoring that goal. Yeah, again, he did good. Um, I enjoyed watching him. He's kind of that player that we miss in between the lines and the and the the vision uh, and the ability to kind of create something out of nothing. Um, so no, I want to see more of him. We obviously spent the money on him because we we saw the potential, uh, and he's been trained by Pep Guardiola. So so what more can we ask for? <laughs> what more can we ask for? I mean, Sterling's Rahul... trained by Guardiola too, but <laughs> I'm not going to say anything else. 
Bro, listen, we got to win. We decided that we're going to take this one on the on the positive spin and end on the spot positive spin. So I'm happy with that. We move forward in the Carabao Cup, which is great for us. Let's take a quick break here to get a word from our sponsors, and we'll come back and review Fulham together. Hey, guys. The Premier Chelsea is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top-quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home, so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks. Okay, let's transition. We want to continue with positivity. We're moving on to Fulham, another London fixture here, Rahul, which is always exciting, always fiery, given that Brighton game was actually pretty fiery as well. We didn't talk too much about that, but what are you expecting from the Fulham game? What are you expecting the formation to be? What are you expecting the first 11 to be? Why don't you run us through your thoughts there? It's going to be a tough game, Jackie. It's a West London derby. It's on a Monday night under the lights. Fulham clearly been doing good for the last few uh, months and even going into last season. Um, so, no, it's going to be tough. We did lose there 2-1 um, back in January or February of this year. So, um, not an easy place to go to. Test. I do remember a few times we've won there in the recent history, but I do also remember a few games where we've been we've struggled. So, um, it's going to be tight. It's going to be tough. I do expect us to have most of the ball to be the team that's trying to do something. And then Fulham will try to hit us on the counter. Um, so the first goal, again, is crucial because if we get it, that helps and adds to the confidence. If not, um, then it's a different story. But there is a big question around who will play that striker position yep. because we've, we've said it all episode long that Jackson is going to be missing. Um, so let's start with the goalie. I think Rob Sanchez... Right back, another position where Kukurea may be an option, Disasi may be an option. Yeah, I think this all really depends on the injuries that we're going to have, but it, it might end up being Kukurea, and then we might see him revert to his famous Levi Caldwell at left back, and then <laughs> Thiago Silva and Disasi in, in the center back pairing. Yeah, and Ian Matson is an option too. So As well, yeah. Um, definitely going to be interesting. But what do you think happens if Chowell is out, which I do think he will be out for this game? Um, who do you think ends up playing on the left and, and right? Yeah, if you're asking me what I would want, Rahul, I would I would love for Matson maybe to play that left back position. And I know we've talked to Pochettino about it before, and he sees Matson long term as a more attacking threat. But he did play all season long for Burnley last year at left back, and he did well in that role. And we know he's naturally a left back and can do it. So I would love to see him then. Kukurea, just to give him continuation from what he's done and done so well against Brighton, is to stick him at right back and you know, have him build from there, that would be helpful. But if if you ask me what Pochettino will do, I think he will do, like I said, revert to Levi Colwell, a left back, and bring Thiago Silva and Desasi into the middle. And at that point, Kukurea or, or Matson at the right back position. I mean, Desasi could also play right back, which is, which is an option, but not quite familiar with his attacking game. And from yeah. given what I saw against... Um, Villa, where he was clean on goal and, and it ended up on the corner flag. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a, a great option. But yeah, let's let's move to midfield. We've spoken about Enzo playing deeper. Caicedo, I think, is the other option. Keanu Gallagher is the other option. Um, what are you thinking? Pochettino it's getting tough now. Yeah, it's getting, it's getting very tough now because I, I really liked the more two defensive-minded players in Uwachuku and Caicedo. But I do think we miss some tenacity from Conor Gallagher. I think he brings that aggression and that desire and hunger. And on the flip side, you miss that creativity from Enzo. And I understand why Pochettino is trying to shoehorn all of them into the middle. It's difficult, but I would like to see an Enzo and Caicedo partnership for this particular game. I know that means that maybe the likes of of Gallagher or Uguchuku suffers, but that's the, that's the nature of being at a big football club and wanting to rotate through. So I'd like to see Enzo and Caicedo give Caicedo strict instructions to be that destroy and break up play in that defensive side of it and tell Enzo to be a little more of his creative looking forward, but not that number 10 role kind of from deep, 
deep playmaker or register style player shows what you can do from there yeah i agree with you i think i'd like to see enzo deeper with uh with kaiseido which brings us to our attacking uh lineup left would be i think modric should continue I think he's earned the, right. the chance to continue. And I think he should just for his confidence. And I think Poch is doing right by him to give him that 60, 70 minutes in this game. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, right would be Raheem Sterling. I believe he's going to default back to Raheem Sterling. Yep. Yep. And then the center, Connor, Cole, um, Ian Matson, maybe depending on, on what um, Pochettino wants to do. You know, I think Ian Matson's a good player, but he didn't stand out enough in this particular game against Brighton, and so that's why Raheem comes back into the fold. And for me, I think Cole Palmer did stand out enough in this game that he should start this game. I think for all the reasons we talked about with, you know, Enzo being a little better in the defensive side or maybe the lower part of midfield, I think Cole, Mar- Cole Palmer has all the positives for the attacking side of the midfield, and he would fit well in that number 10 role. Yeah, and then up front, Jackie, we have... Armando Broya that can come in. We have Washington that can come in. Or we could see maybe a Raheem Sterling going in there and a different player playing on that right side. Maybe a Madueke who, Jackie, we didn't touch on, but he was fit, available, but did not feature tonight. Yeah, that was an interesting one with Pochettino saying he makes the decisions. And I'm, I'm assuming it's coming down to how a, a player's training and Pochettino's going to pick from training or something else is going on that... More information will come out in the next few days. But to stick to the starting 11, Rahul, it's such a difficult situation to be in. If it's me, I would pick Broha and give him a chance. And then you can always switch it up in in second half and make a different change here or there. I don't think we will have David Washington starting. Maybe he'll give us 10, 15 minutes towards the end of the game. But I wouldn't be surprised to see Cole Palmer tuck into that attacking forward position almost like a false nine and you will see him squeezing a Gallagher or something like that to play in a three something along those lines but if it was me I would go at Broha up top yeah it's I mean Broha the only concern would be the fact that he's still just coming back Uh, so maybe more for a roll off the bench but yeah it's going to be interesting to see how Pochettino plays this one out uh, and ultimately how it plays out for us but I'll just run through some Fulham results from Mm -hmm. from this season so one uh, nil against Everton to start off the season. Three nil loss uh, to Brentford, followed by a two two against Arsenal away. Five uh, one to City. So City's just you just kind of mark that off your calendar and say that's that's a L. Uh, then beating Luton Town one nil, drawing with Crystal Palace nil nil last week. Uh, so not bad. I mean, not what they would have expected based off of last season, but. Uh, Decent results against Arsenal and and beating Luton Town and drawing against Crystal Palace. So um, they come into it in a decent form. We obviously come into it on the, off the back of the Villa loss in the league and having not won since Luton in three games now. So um, what is your prediction? And the last one, I went for a loss because I thought we were on the downward trajectory but we've done something beautiful here and gone for a win. So I'm going to try and keep that positivity up. I know in the last one you said, God help us, the footballing gods helped us in one way or the other. But I think if we keep playing the way we're playing and really, really focus on just trying to put the ball in the net, which is the hardest part for Chelsea Football Club at this point, keep a clean sheet. Rob Sanchez, stop trying to play out with your feet. I'm going to go for a safe one nil bet. Let's get the win. Let's build on what we've done and kind of go from there. I don't think Rob Sanchez is going to stop playing with this feet <laughs> uh, because that's what I think Pochettino wants. But I do think I was I was going to say one nil to um, to Chelsea, um, and I do think a goal comes from a defender. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, we need one. <laughs> um, so since you said one nil, I'll go for two one. To Chelsea, but again, I'll also say God help us because that's what I said against <laughs> Brighton, uh, and it seemed seemed to work. But look, we, it, we just have to win this game. It's it, it, it's not that we have to, but it'd be really nice if we did because we just need to get into a kind of a consistent like building upon something with you know the Brighton game and now going into this Fulham game, and any other time, I'd say this this definitely should be a win, but. We just don't know. 
I think the word you're looking for is rhythm. We need to get into a consistent yes. rhythm where we're getting the results every week, week in, week out. And yes, Rahul, this is the game that could be feisty. It's a London derby. They could be up for it. But I think these are the games that we should be aggressively trying to go for and get the points out of because we've discussed this before. As we move on, it's only going to get tougher in the next few fixtures that are coming up for us. So I hope we get a win. I'm positive now again from that little negative spell after the Villa. <laughs> Hopefully Pochettino can keep the guys positive and, and the goal the goal should uplift the whole team from here on out. Absolutely. And that's what winning does, the winning feeling. Uh, brings on some positivity and some confidence, not just amongst us fans, but also hopefully amongst the players. And let's continue to build upon that this weekend or coming up next week, early next week. Uh, but that wraps it up, guys. Th- please continue to listen, subscribe, and follow us at the Premier Chels and all podcast providers, Instagram and on Twitter. It's at Premier Chels. Uh, and we will be back with a new episode. But until then, stay safe and up the Chels. The Premier Chels has partnered with Fubo TV. Fubo TV is your home for live sports and TV without a cable in the US and Canada. You can watch on all your devices, which means you don't have to miss any of the actions or goals that Chelsea score in the Premier League and Champions League. You heard that right. Fubo TV Network's broadcast Premier League, Champions League, and many other leagues and tournaments. So what are you waiting for? Start your free trial today at fubotv.com forward slash TPC.